0: Welcome to the Chapman CG Podcast Series, inspiring and informative conversations with top HR leaders from around the world. Welcome to this Chapman CG podcast. My name is Fiona Jury and I'm a Senior Director at Chapman CG. We're delighted to have Claire Devlin from Telstra with us today to discuss brave, cutting-edge organisational development can future-proof your organisation. Claire is currently the Global Head of Leadership and Capability at Telstra, and as part of this, she leads the organisational development team. Telstra is Australia's largest telecommunications carrier and employs around 30,000 people. She previously held OD roles at Cisco, Sydney Olympic, Paralympic Organising Committee and Optus Singtel. Claire, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Fiona. Great to be here. Now, just so our audience can get to know you a little bit better, you've been one of Australia's leading OD practitioners for many years. What do you love about OD?
1: Um, well, so many things, but I guess there's there's two things primarily that really keep me in OD in large organisation. The first thing is I feel like it's a really strategic function. It is truly strategic. And there is a lot of transactional activity in HR. There has to be. Um, But OD feels truly strategic to me. If the OD team um, and leads are close to the strategy, we can enable that strategy. We have a really, really critical role in that, which is exciting. The second thing I love about OD is that it feels to me like the integration opportunity for the HR strategy. So for an HR strategy to be truly integrated, I feel like OD holds that accountability to to make that happen. And for me, that means that all the various moments in the employee life cycle can be tightly platted together, almost with a red thread going through them. So that there are clear handover points, clear implications for an impact for various things. So very, very tightly connected OD strategy and integrated OD strategy means an integrated HR strategy, which for the organization means it feels consistent and congruent with the culture, connected, tight, which is great. Great.
0: Businesses in every sector are facing continual disruption and competitive pressures. How do you think OD can future-proof an organisation? Well, yeah,
1: first of all, it's not easy. So I will say right up front, I think it's difficult. It's a huge challenge and one that we just continually, continually work on. But in my experience, the opportunity that we have here is to be 100% connected and collaborate with the the strategy team. If the OD function and the strategy team have a really close partnership and close trust, then OD can absolutely contribute to enabling that company's strategy. I'll give you a couple of examples of what we've done at Telstra. We've spent a lot of time with our strategy team looking at what we call the T22 strategy, which is our strategy area, and really stripping it back, really getting underneath it, and and looking at the success criteria of us really meeting that strategy and and the implications of that. Together with the strategy team, we basically landed on seven key capabilities that we want this organization to be known for in the market. Those are the seven things that we want to differentiate ourselves with. Um, And so once we knew that, as soon as we landed on those seven, that makes a very, very big difference. And it enables us to create a strategic impact because then we can flow that through. So, for example, our acquisition strategy and our attraction strategy prioritize those seven areas. And we have metrics that roll up to the board on that. Our learning strategy is so different now we know those seven areas are critical for us for the next three to five years. We have disproportionately invested in those seven areas above all others, really Rolls-Royce them, if you like. And again, we have capability uplift metrics in those seven areas according to our learning strategy. So we're very focused and strategic now. So, too, our talent strategy um, has also shifted um, to retain and fast track talent in these seven areas. An example of one of the areas, for example, is big data or cybersecurity. I'm sure a lot of other organizations would share similar capabilities, but it just enables us to get really focused and really strategic in our investment and our prioritization of resources as soon as we know those contribute the sort of metrics, the statistics to enable that strategy to be true and real and contribute those up to the COLT
0: and the board, which makes the OD function a strategic partner. It's very powerful. What are the most effective ways to build strategic capability that will ensure a sustainable future for an organisation?
1: Yeah, and that's very connected to the to to what I was just saying and that and the previous question Fiona. So I feel like again those strategic capabilities, as soon as we know what they are, and it should never be more than ten. It's impossible. Um, really, we can get very, very, very focused um, and deep into what we're going to con- to do to contribute to our organisation having the competitive edge on those capabilities. And over time, just help the organization be really on the front foot, be really future fit and face into the challenges we know we're going to face. So as we spend more time with the strategy team and we understand the strategy, we also understand the massive challenges that we have to face head on. But at least we have a chance to prepare the organization for that. So, um, so I think that that's really exciting. We're also trying just some innovative things at the moment. We're investigating a concept. Of actually building a consortium with our strategic partners who actually also need the same strategic capabilities as us and possibly pooling resources and sharing them that we can leverage them on joint ventures this is not off the ground yet but it's just a concept because um, every organization is competing for these capabilities they're really really hard to come by so if we can create a consortium approach with our strategic partners for the talent themselves, they would prefer that, to work for a consortium, knowing that they're actually going to work for six to eight companies or organisations in a consortium. That's a really rich opportunity for them. It's really diverse work. So, um, yeah, it comes back to really understanding what are the strategic capabilities that the organisation needs in order to enable the strategy.
0: It does. And that just sounds so exciting and really, really cutting edge. And Claire, our next question is a really interesting one. In your experience, do you think that learning and development actually uplifts capability?
1: It's a question we're asked all the time. And I think, you know, um, the learning and development function definitely, definitely would say yes. I, I would too. But before I do, I'd love to, and I promise I will come back and answer the question. Before I do, I'd love to just talk about capability for a minute and the definition of that. I think that it's loaded And so when people talk about capability and what it means, everyone's got a bit of a different mental model of what that means. So I'd love to share mine with you and then come back and answer the question. But when I think of capability in an organization, and I wish I had a whiteboard now, but anyway, when I think of capability, I feel like it's like looking over a fishbowl. And when people think of capability, they think of the fish and how capable the fish are, the competence of the fish the productivity, the speed, the efficiency of the fish. It's all about the fish. However, when we think about true capability, not just competence, it's actually much, much more about the water because the fish have to thrive in the water. It's the water that um, encourages or rewards or discourages certain behaviors. And so obviously that's the organization's culture But it is so, so critical because we could take all the fish out and send them to INSEAD and make them brilliant and bring them back. They still have to swim in the water. So when I think of capability, I do think of it holistically. Don't just think of competence. I think of culture and competence together make up capability. So having said that, um, does the learning and development function uplift capability? Yes it's a massive, massive functional enabler to uplift competence in the organisation, the competence the organisation needs to deliver on the strategy. However, the learning and development function can't be held 100% accountable for capability because that is about culture. So it's really the capability is really also about once the competence being built and, and therefore we're looking after the fish as best we can, it's also about rewarding and encouraging the right behaviours. It's about the congruency of how people behave within the culture. So the L&D function can prepare and serve the most beautiful education, experience and exposure opportunities. But at the end of the day, I feel like every individual in the organisation is accountable for the capability, organisational capability, especially the senior leaders. In the organisation, because they really do um, have a, um, an extra accountability when it comes to culture. So that's a bit of a complicated answer. So at the end of the day, yes, I, I, I would love us to think of competence um, as a as a subset of capability, and not and not end game, because it it isn't enough just to focus on the fish.
0: On the theme of culture. We know that organisational and cultural transformation is leader-led. What are some of the ways in which leadership can accelerate transformation?
1: Oh, it's such a great question. I absolutely love that question because I think that it can. I'm a true, true believer that leaders and anyone who takes accountability to lead in the work that they do can accelerate transformation. I think, you know, there's two ways, really. First of all... Leaders need to be able to explain the why, explain the strategy in such a way that it creates meaning in the work people do. really simple, real, practical, really break it down, make it as real for everyone as as they possibly possibly can, um, demystify it, decode it and that's that's a real skill to be able to do and so but it is really critical that the leader take some time to translate that strategy for their people to create meaning in their work. That's critical. That's number one. The second thing um, is to role model. Be honest and role model. So if all of the leaders' behaviours across the whole organisation are collectively congruent with the culture, The shift in the organization and the acceleration of that transformation will happen. It's really in the consistency um, of the collective behavior where the power is. That's where the magic is. If everyone is doing and saying the right things, the same things that the the transformation needs, uh, it will happen. It's very, very powerful.
0: Thank you for that. And finally, what advice would you give fellow OD practitioners around the world on transforming and future-proofing their organisations? Um,
1: yeah, an- another great question. So I think there's there's two bits of advice. One is really practical um, and one is a little bit more behavioural. But the practical one would be create strong partnerships and collaboration with the strategy team because if you want to be considered a strategic player and a critical a critical part of enabling, a critical player in enabling the strategy, that partnership needs to be very, very close. Get close to the strategy team, then break that strategy down into simple, practical elements that your team can then make an impact on with evidence. That's the first thing. It's really critical. The second thing is, Decide on the few behaviours, at Telstra there are two, decide on the few behaviours that the whole organisation should consistently, collectively demonstrate and reward those and encourage those. And when there is congruence with that, you will get breakthrough. So find out, I think the way to find those couple of behaviours that will make the biggest difference. They're what I would call linchpin behaviours. They're really critical to the organisation. So one of ours is accountability, for example. That will make or break us. There cannot be any blame. Everyone has to be accountable. We have to break down the silos. We have to have shared shared accountability in, in terms of our deliverables. So really think of a couple of behaviours that Again, just the whole organization needs to be clear on, rewarded on, and then really collectively, consistently demonstrate and, and, and you know really, really reward that. I think those two things can have a huge impact on how you can impact the organization through transformation and, and doing it in partnership, collaboratively across the organization, being seen as a real strategic player.
0: Brilliant, Claire. Thank you very much for sharing those tips uh, with our global audience. And uh, we really appreciate your time on the podcast today and for sharing your thinking more broadly. So thank you for joining us. You're welcome. Speak soon. Thank you. For more excellent conversations from Chapman CG, subscribe to our podcast series or check us out at chapmancg.com.